This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, January 6th, 2019. Life Candy, Lifesavers. It's good to be here today with all of you. My name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. So before we get started, wow, lots going on, huh, in this church. And we are really excited about what God has in store for us in 2019. We have been on an incredible journey so far. And I don't know if you noticed this, but those of you who were with us when we opened over in that little room over here, can you guys stand up? Randy and Teresa and Aaron and Diane and Courtney and Devin and, and Kim and Candy and I don't know, Frank is up there. And anyway, this right here, what was it, guys? Screen. Our first screen. That's where we projected everything two dowel rods and a sheet. You know, humble beginnings, humble beginnings. Let's never forget where God has carried us through because, you know, all we really need are two dowel rods and a sheet and we need to be together, right? right? Well, yeah, because everything else was borrowed that day. Yeah, everything else was borrowed that day and then it left and then we had to buy Diane a new uh, keyboard because we didn't have one. So uh, anyway, um, it's a great ride and, and next week we hope all of you can join us as we worship together. And Randy and Teresa, we're even going to sing All Things Are Possible. So that's kind of our theme song, and we haven't done it for like many years. So it'll be retro. Anyway, let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for gathering us here. Thank you for all you have in store. And right now, settle us in that we might be changed and transformed by your message. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so we thought that we would start the year off with something a bit fun and maybe a little bit appetizing or sweet to most everyone. So welcome to Life Candy. Life Candy. Each month we're going to take a popular candy and we're going to use that candy. You know, we're, we're going to do anything to bring people to Jesus, right? We're going to bring that, we're going to talk about that candy and it's the basis for a Christ-centered message that hopefully connects with you. This morning our focus is Lifesavers. Lifesavers. The candy with the hole was first, first uh, created in 1912 by a guy named Clarence Crane out in Garrettsville, Ohio, when he developed a, a line of hard mints. And he did that because in the summer, chocolate candies would melt. So he wanted a candy that wasn't going to melt in the summertime. And so after he registered the trademark, he sold the rights to Lifesavers to a guy named John Edward, Edward John Noble for the mere price of $2,900. That's a lot of money back in the early 1900s, but $2,900. Noble started his own company, began selling mints that he called Peppo Mint Lifesavers. You know, that, that, that uh, flavor is still with us today, isn't it? Peppo Mints. Yep. And um, he developed uh, additional flavors over the years, and in just 12 years, the company was worth $1.5 million. 1935, the classic five flavor roll, you know. Yeah, it was introduced. And then in 2004, 
Lifesavers, along with a breathman called Altoids, was sold to the Wrigley Company, like Wrigley Gum, for $1.5 billion. Uh, that's not a, bad, not a bad return on an original investment of $2,900, is it? Yeah, yeah. And the candy's name, Lifesavers, comes from the similarity and shape it had to those things that you throw off the boat when somebody's drowning. You know, the life preservers? Yeah. By the way, Lifesavers is the most popular candy in Delaware at Halloween. All right, Lifesavers. <laughs> That's what I read. It reminds us of a powerful story in the Bible. It's the second part of the Bible in Matthew <coughs> chapter 14, and we'll start at verse 22. Immediately he, that's Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. Hmm. So we see that word immediately there beginning this passage, and that's because it's referring, kind of referring back to a story that immediately follows this, which is another miracle before the miracle we're going to talk about this morning. This beginning at chapter 14, um, it, it tells us that, that Jesus withdrew alone to a solitary place when he heard that John the baptizer, who was a relative of his, had been beheaded, okay, for his faith. The crowds followed Jesus uh, to his solitary place, and he took compassion on them, and he healed their sick. And, and they were there for quite a while, and evening came, and, and, and the disciples came suggesting that Jesus send them on home or wherever to get some food. And he says, you feed them. <laughs> right. <laughs> With what? Well, in another book, we find out it's a little boy who offers up five loaves and two fishes. There's 5,000 men here, plus women and children. Five loaves and two fishes. Jesus gives them to the disciples. Can you imagine being the disciples? Hello. So they start distributing the food. And the scripture tells us everybody was fed with 12 baskets of, of bread leftovers to spare. 12 baskets extra. See, we, we have a God of abundance, don't we? Not a God of shortage, a God of abundance. All were satisfied. They picked up the leftovers. Heck of a story, isn't it? Heck of a story. And so that is setting the scene for what we're going to talk about today, back to the scripture that, we just, that I just read. Immediately following what Alan just shared, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat, and he went up to the mountain to pray. We're not exactly told why he needs some time alone. Um, perhaps he was really dealing with the devastating news of his cousin. I mean, he and John were tight. Maybe he just needed some space. Maybe he just needed to recharge his batteries, and maybe turning five loaves and two fish really was draining. But we know that Jesus regularly withdrew. That wasn't just when things happened. He regularly, it was a discipline every day. He withdrew to have time with his Father in heaven. 
And that's what we need to do. That's a model every day at some point to stop and tune in. And I don't know what is the best time for you. For me, it's early, early in the morning when it's quiet and nothing else crowds my head. But that's an important learning that we can get right off in this scripture. Hmm. And so um, Jesus is alone on a mountain after he sends the disciples off in the boat. By this time, the boat is a far distance from the shore as the wind is very strong as it batters the boat that the disciples are in. And so we pick it up at the 25th verse, 14th chapter of uh, Matthew. And early in the morning, he, Jesus, came walking toward them on the sea. But when, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. We love how kind of matter-of-factly Matthew, who wrote this, just says, Early in the morning, he went walking on the water. I mean, it's like, really? It sounds like an everyday event, the way he has it written. And so we have the disciples. Remember that they were professional fishermen who left that to follow Jesus. And so they're out in a boat, which they're very comfortable in. And then they look out and they see this ghost walking on the water. And scripture says they were terrified. It wasn't the high winds or the waves that were going on. That's not what says terrified them. It wasn't the possibility of capsizing. They probably had been there and done that, you know, a couple times or drowning. No, it's that they saw something or someone walking across the water to meet them. I mean, can you imagine? Can you even imagine? Of course they were terrified. I mean, wouldn't you be? I would be. They'd never seen anything like this before in all their time on or around the water. And the other thing is, it wasn't in the middle of the day. It was early in the morning. Uh, some translations tell us it was during the fourth watch. The fourth watch. The night was divided, divided into four pieces starting at 6 p.m., four three-hour pieces, so 6 p.m. So the fourth watch would be the last, the last section before the dawn. It's from like 3 to 6 in the morning. That time just before dawn, that time where, I don't know, maybe you've been there where if something's troubling you, that time where you wonder if the night is ever going to come to an end. Um, sometimes they call it the the, the dark night of the soul, I've been there before where I just want the sun to come up and a new day to start because whatever it is that's on your mind just won't leave. Maybe you've been there before that, that you know, you look at the clock, you look at the clock, it's like it's not moving. Six o'clock is not coming. On the other hand, on the other hand, that fourth watch can be a time, um, as you said, getting up early and spending time with God. You know, before the day's activity, before the sun comes up, before you got 400 things to do. I know sometimes uh, writing the message, I, if I get up at like 3, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning and work on the message, I get a whole lot more done than I do once the day has started because there's not distractions. I can be focused. I'm, I'm not in 22 directions anyway. 
That's the fourth watch. That's that time of day when the disciples saw the ghost coming toward them on the water. Uh, excuse me. I don't know if I've ever told you this, Alan, but when it's the fourth night, like when I'm in the middle of the night and I wake up and it's like I have a pit in my stomach and something's going on, this is a little personal moment that we are, we're having excuse right us. now. Excuse us. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I do? Like, I, I feel like kind of sick. And so I start with the alphabet and I start with A and I start naming names for God like awesome, mm. then B and then C and I go on and I start and I try if it's like one. Oh, I'm, so What's I, the Z? Z, What's zeal, like we need zeal of the Lord. Go. You know, I just try to assign letters and I Great. usually don't get to Z. So I just had to think of that because I fall asleep. <laughs> so I'm back. Mm. Um, that was completely unscripted. But you know what? When we wake up in the middle of the night in this dark night of the soul, just try to get your mind up, you know, to Jesus and don't dwell on that fear thing, which we're going to talk about in a minute, because that's where the disciples were. That's where, oh my goodness, I am scared to death. This fourth watch of the night, and they're, they're seeing this unexpected figure walking toward them, and they couldn't see clearly. I mean, it's nighttime. It's pitch black. And they cried out. They cried out in fear. And Jesus immediately, I love that word the way it is, Jesus immediately spoke to them. They cried out. Are you hearing me? They cried out and he what? Immediately. That's what happens. You cry out. Immediately he spoke to them and he said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Once again, we're reminded that faith and fear can't occupy the same space. That when Jesus is there, fear just takes a holiday. You know, this whole thing, though, kind of brings a lot of questions to mind. Why, why did Jesus wait so long to join the disciples till nearly daybreak? Now, knowing this would frighten them, I mean, he knows all. He knew it was going to frighten them. So why did he take this approach? Why didn't he just walk around? And at the lake and join them on the other side the next day. Uh, maybe it was to show his miraculous powers. Um, maybe it was so that they would know that he was truly the son of God. Perhaps it was quicker than walking the whole way around and he liked shortcuts. You know, we don't know. Maybe it's one of these things. Maybe it's all. Maybe it's none. All we know is this from reading the scripture. He walked across that water. He terrified the disciples, and then he let them know that they didn't need to be afraid, that it was him. Walking on the water was also a really good setup for what happens next. Peter answered him as, you know, the Lord says, take heart it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He, Jesus said, Come. How'd you like to be me? Really? So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to see, sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus, what? Immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You have little faith. 
why did you doubt? When they got back in the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Mm. Sometimes I think Peter gets kind of a bad rap for what goes on here. You know, the little faith thing, not enough faith. Here's the thing. At least he got out of the boat. At least Pete got out of the boat. None of the other disciples got out of the boat. They're probably sitting there thinking, Pete's an idiot, you know. <laughs> Here's Peter again, not thinking, just, you know, impulse Peter, jumping before he's thinking, oh, brother, watch this, guys. They're probably expecting him to go down. <laughs> it's on them. He walks on the water, right? Yeah. He got out of the boat. And see, the thing I remember is if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. You don't walk on water sitting in the boat. You got to get out of the boat if you're going to walk on water. And none of those other guys did. But Pete did. Pete did. He did it. Typical Peter, like I said, jumping, impulsive, not thinking it through. I'm sure he jumped out and went, wait a minute, what did I just, what did I just do? Especially when he saw the wind and the waves and everything going crazy now. But that's how Pete rolls, isn't it? We've seen it before, we'll see it again. Huge heart. Sometimes you wonder if he's thinking at all, but huge heart, impulsive, just going with his feelings, but he acts. That's the thing. He doesn't sit back passively. He acts. He's passionate. And he steps out of the boat. You got to love that, don't you? He steps out of the boat. So picture the scene. Walking on the water like, oh, wow. Oh, wow, this wonder, is so cool. I wonder what the guys oh, in the boat goodness. are thinking. And then he's like, oh, no, there's a lot of wind. And he takes his eyes off and he focuses on the wind and he starts to sink. Yeah, that's what happens when we take our eyes off, doesn't it? When we take our eyes off, we start like, oh, my goodness. The thing with Peter is that he knew what to do when he started to sink. He knew what to do. He called out to Jesus. He's like, help me. Lord, save me. So here's the question for us. When we start to sink, who do we call? What do we do? Do we depend on our own little selves? We're going to sink. Do we call out to Jesus, who... Even if we start faltering and even if things don't go the way we want, we know that we have a presence, a person greater than us who will carry us through, who will support us, who will protect us. Where does your help come from? Hmm. Yeah. When, when Peter called out, Lord, save me, it's an interesting choice of words, isn't it? Lord, save me. It says that Jesus immediately, and so he took his time, I'll get to one, immediately reached out his hand and caught him, immediately. This immediately word comes, what, three times in this passage, immediately. Yeah. It's not, and that's not typical of Matthew's writing, more typical of Mark, but immediately Jesus <coughs> reached out and caught him. Yeah. And then 
It sounds like he's admonishing Peter for having little faith. And why did he doubt? But maybe it's more like, gosh, Pete, why did you doubt? I mean, you've, you've been what, traveling with me for this time. You've seen what we do. You see how we roll. Why? And we just fed 5,000 yeah, people. Yeah, we just got done. Well, why, would, why would you doubt me? Why, why is that all the faith that you have here? It's interesting, though. He said little faith. He didn't say, Pete, you got no faith. He said, you got little faith. Now, we can do a lot with just a little faith. In fact, three chapters later in Matthew, Matthew 17, Jesus tells the disciples that with the faith of a mustard seed, who here has ever seen a mustard seed? It's a little, it's, imagine the little thing that I've just created with that. That's the size of a mustard seed, okay? With the faith of that little tiny bit of faith, he tells the disciples, you can tell this mountain to move from there to there and it'll move. You can move mountains with a little bit of faith. We've seen that around here. See it all over the place. Mustard seed of faith. So Pete's got a little faith, doesn't he? Hello? No, not no faith, but a little. He had enough faith to get out of the boat, didn't he? Had enough faith to get out of the boat and even had enough to, to take a few steps on the water. But then he faltered. He, he caught himself. He looked around at his surroundings. He let, he let other things get in the way. And he called out to the only one who can save us. And Jesus immediately reached out and caught him. And Jesus didn't catch him and let him go. He didn't say, on your way, Pete. No, it tells him that he saw to it that he got back in the boat. Both of them got back in the boat safely. And when they did, the wind died down. Jesus was there with him until the storm subsided, until things settled down. These actions reinforced for the disciples that this man that they had been following, this man who was mentoring this man, this man who they have, are disciples of, it once again showed them that he truly was Son of God. Yeah. This is one of our favorite scriptures to preach it has such so many takeaways for our lives what does this scripture have to do with you and me well we we face a lot of storms in life don't we we never know what's going to come at us it sometimes feels like we're getting tossed to and fro it could be a lot of different things in our lives that, you know, work, you get a notice that on a spot you got to leave or a relationship goes bad that you thought was healthy and, or health or all kinds of things. But we all have these huge storms in life. We've had them. We know that there's plenty more to come. Being a follower of Jesus does not guarantee us that those storms will go away. In fact, sometimes the storms increase for a variety of reasons. What are we going to do in the midst of our storms? Are we going to hunker down, scared to death, fearful of the ghosts? You know, we all have ghosts in our closets, you know, the darkness in our lives. Are we afraid those ghosts are going to, like, come at us? Or are we going to step out in faith? Cry out like Peter did, Lord, save me. 
So here's some takeaways from today's lesson. Um, in your program, if you want, there's a place to write them down or on the front of your program, there's this thing where you can, a website, a QR code, where you can go on and get all the message slides, all the music that we do, it's all right there for you. So, here we go, number one. Number one takeaway, keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, Pete was fine <laughs> until he started looking at the waves rather than Jesus. Jesus, his power is supernatural. That means above nature, beyond nature. That's why he can calm the storm. That's why he can walk on water. And he can, and through his power, Peter can walk on water. The, the winds are going to rage and the waves are going to seriously rock the boat. I'm sure your boat's been rocked once or twice in your life. And the chances are pretty good I didn't go to change. And being a, a follower of Jesus Christ doesn't mean you're not going to have boat rocking. Here's the thing, if we don't fix our eyes on Jesus, we will lose hope. And the storms of life will overcome us. And that's because Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our strength. And Jesus is our power to persevere. Keep our eyes on Jesus, the ultimate life. Say it with me, lifesaver. Number two, when Jesus tells you to do something, do it. You know, he said to Peter, come. What is Jesus saying to you? What do you have like inside your heart or inside, you know, you and you just know you're supposed to and you're like, no, I don't think, or I will next week or just show me a little bit more. Just do it. He's throwing the lifesaver to you. Just grab it. Go along for the ride. We talked about that with Mary along for the ride. Go along for the ride. I have tried on a number of things in my life to just say, no, or I'm going to la, 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 la. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work because it keeps coming back. If Jesus really has something for you, he's not going to give up. Just do it. <laughs> Don't miss out on the blessing from being obedient. It's obedience, then comes the blessing. Following Jesus gives us life. Grab the lifesaver when he throws it out to you. Hmm. Number three, fear will sink us. Can I hear amen to that? And not only will it sink us, it will shrink us. Yeah. And it will paralyze us. See, God didn't create us to live in fear. We're not created to live in fear. That's why every time in, in the Christmas story and in here where the person was fearful, the angels or Jesus says, what's the, what do they say? Fear not. We're not created to live in fear. Yep. Jesus, uh, uh, when they cry out in fear, Jesus said, take heart. It's I. Don't fear. New International Version, uh, the, the way that uh, translates this section says, Take courage. Take courage. That message is as relevant for us today as it was for the disciples in the boat back then. Jesus is here, so we don't have to fear. Say it with me. Jesus, Jesus is here, is so, so we, we don't, don't have, have to fear. fear. He is our life, life saver. Okay, fourth, and this isn't everything, but it's just four things we pulled out because we don't have two hours this morning. <laughs> 
<laughs> Number four. They're all going. A thank little goodness. faith is better than no faith. Cut yourself a break. I don't have enough faith. Yes, you do. If it's the size of a mustard seed, God can do amazing things with that. Remember, in the boat, the other guys didn't have any. They did not step out. Peter at least had enough to step out and walk toward Jesus. Don't forget, you will never walk on water, whatever that is for you, if you don't get out of the boat. You're never going to experience the life that Jesus came to give you if you don't step out in faith. He's our lifesaver, one step at a time. Jesus says to each of us, take heart, be courageous, get out of the boat, get out of the boat. Don't be afraid to take that faith step. You know, the blessing doesn't come first. You take the faith step, and then you realize the blessing. Take the step in the midst of the storm. That's the tough time. That's what, if it, if it wasn't a storm, it's, you don't need a whole lot of faith, do you? Take steps when everything's peachy, when everything's explained, when everything makes sense. You take the faith step even in the storm, even when the waves are wild, <laughs> even when the boat's rocking. <laughs> We can do that because we know Jesus is there to save us, just like he was with Peter. Even if we get scared and lose focus, he'll reach out to us and take us by the hand and lead us back to the boat. Yeah. And that's because he's the great life saver. He lived, he died, resurrected, ascended to save your life and mine. He's here for you. He's here for me. He's here for us. And that's the good news. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for this story in Matthew of the guys in the boat and this middle-of-the-night <clears throat> encounter with Jesus. Thank you for Peter and his example. And I really think there's a little bit of Peter in a lot of us. And sometimes a lot of Peter in some of us. Thank you that he had enough faith to get out of the boat. And we see that we just need a little bit, one step at a time, to follow you, to walk with you, to be obedient. And thank you that you've come so that we don't have to fear. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.